This life-changing message comes to you from Church of the Harvest. It's our prayer that this message will inspire your life and bring hope to your future. Approaching the time for our Christmas gift offering. We, once a year, we talk about the importance of giving. And guys, we will never apologize for that. Because, uh, guys, funny when people come and they say, well, I'm a giver in this church, and if I don't such and such, I'm going to be, go in the grace of the Lord. You're not our source. God is our source. People say, well, all the church wants is my money. As a church, we want you to be blessed and walk in the favor of God. Yes, what you give is used to further the ministry and the kingdom here, but our doors will stay open. Our needs will be met as long as God, so his favor shines upon us as long as he wants the doors of this facility open. And our congregation will continue to meet together and to worship him corporately regardless. Amen? So we are going to talk unashamedly about money because it's talked about more than just about any other topic in the Bible. People don't realize that. Guys, it's God's word. People get offended. It's so funny. We, uh, there was a time I used to get worried when we talk about giving. I think, oh, Lord, what the, we're going to have visitors come. They're going to think, oh, all this church. First time I come, all this church talks about, guys, we're going to teach the Word of God boldly within truth and authority. Amen? And we're going to talk about the importance of giving because we serve a God who gave, and that's the reason you're sitting here today. And so we, too, are called to be givers. And so we're going to start this for the next few weeks. Um, we're going to talk about the importance of being a giver. And so uh, hopefully you guys are geared up for that and you're ready. And you may have been a giver your whole life. Bless you. Amen. But there's always more that we can receive and we can grow in. So I encourage you, don't dismiss it and say, oh, I know this. I'm already, open up your heart and allow God to speak to you. His word is always fresh in you because it's alive and it's active, right? So I encourage you to open up your heart and be ready for the next couple of weeks and see what God would speak to you through this. Um, and to kick it off, I'm not going to share this morning. I think I already did. Man, dang gum. Sorry about that. Um, Actually, this morning, I'm going to invite up one of our elders, Zach Davis. Y'all give him a hand as he comes up. And I think it may be good to start this off with somebody besides one of the pastors. Hey, guys. We love and appreciate Zach and Angie Davis so much. And Megan and Asher, too. Megan and Asher, too. Guys, guys, Zach and Angie have been very faithful to this body. And many of you know parts of their story. They've had many opportunities to be wounded, to be offended, to pack up and say, we're done. But they're not here because they just love Church of the Harvest. They're here because this is where God's called them. And they're going to be faithful to God uh, to the end. I know that. That's why years ago when Zach and Angie pretty much lost everything, everything that brought security, that's why I was able to look at Zach and say, you're going to always be blessed. Amen. You're going to always find favor in everything you put your hand to because that. he's faithful. They are faithful as a family. 
And they've proven that to this church. They've proven that to this church family. They've been with us through thick and thin. We've been with them through thick and thin. So, guys, I want you, and not to mention, Zach is a financial advisor. We are not promoting his business here this morning. But uh, he knows a few things. And he is a successful businessman. We wish you about somebody up here who is broke and always struggling and begging to God for money to teach you about how to trust God financially. I want to hear from somebody who's successful, somebody who's done it, who's been there, done that, who's been through the rough times and lost it and gotten it back again because they stood on God's word and trusted him. Amen? So I want you guys to open up your ears, open up your hearts to hear and to receive this morning. Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, I believe we're going to have a great time this morning. And I have good news for you. I drank a gigantic cup of coffee this morning, so my heart's been racing through worship. I just thought it was the stimulating music, but I think it might have been the other thing. And the other thing is I drank a gigantic glass of water right before I came up here. So between the two of those, we're going to be moving this morning. <laughs> but can I say, after someone, after someone so near and dear to you says something like that, I think it just deserves to say thank you. Do we not have the greatest pastors on earth? Aren't they the most amazing people? All right, so Angie told me, try not to do the intro of the intro of the intro this morning. But uh, I did want to tell you a story that happened to me last night about our kids. I like opening up with a story. And last night I go back up and I hear Angie, um, Angie, not Angie, Megan call to me and I walk up there, and normally Angie's the one that goes up at night, but I, she heard, must have heard me and asked me to come up. So I went up there, and she goes, Daddy, why do we have to die when we're old? Oh, not what I expected. Why do we have to die when we're old? And so I fumbled around for a second. Believe it or not, I don't always know exactly what I should say. And I just looked at her, and I said, the neat thing is, is we don't have to die. Our body dies. But Jesus is going to give us a brand new body. Isn't that amazing? And so this morning, guess what came up again at breakfast? Daddy, why do we, do we really have to die when we're old? And so Angie and I are trying to relay this whole message to them and, and say, no, honey, we get to be with Jesus. We're going to have a brand new body. We're trying to, let's focus on the life part and not the death part. And then Angie goes, okay, let's go, everybody. We got to go get in the car. It's time to go, go to church. And Asher goes, yeah, because we're going to die soon. <laughs> so hopefully that's an encouraging word to each of you today. Um, of course, I told Asher, I said, no, not soon, honey. It's, it's going to be okay. We, we got this. Um, <laughs> I love to make people laugh, and I'm not always good at it. Um, I tend to get bees in my bonnet. I about that. So through these years, 16 years at Church of the Harvest, I was just a, barely an adult when Angie and I came here. We were just married. We... We thought we, we thought we knew everything, I'm telling you. We really did. And, of course, we didn't. And the people in this row up here have been so patient with us. As a matter of fact, there have been many times I thought, maybe when I preach one day, the title of my message to myself should be, How Not to Be a Jerk Face. <laughs> so I almost preached that today so I could hear it myself. But instead, the title that I've been given is to teach on giving. And I can't think of one subject that I enjoy more. So today, what I'm calling this message is how giving works. 
How many of you have ever felt like your giving wasn't working? Am I the only one? Has anybody else out there felt that way? Or have you ever felt, I don't know, like Pastor Rob just said, those preachers, they just want my money. And we don't give. Or you felt pressured to give. Have you ever felt that way? Emotionally pressured to give? Well, all of those types of things, they shut down what God wants to bring to us. If we feel pressured, if we feel compulsed to do it, if we're skeptical of authority, right? If we don't believe what the Word of God says. You know what one of the most amazing passages in Scripture is? That God so loved the world that he what? Gave. So we have a conundrum here in our society today. We tend to start demonizing things that make us skeptical. And unfortunately, wealth is a huge topic that is making people skeptical. It's actually bringing some prejudice in our nation these days. And unfortunately, there have been many ministers and wealthy people that have been castigated for their wealth. That's the conundrum. So God in heaven has streets of what? Gold, right? As a matter of fact, it's such pure gold that you'll be able to see through the streets based on what we've read in Scripture. Do you think... Anybody up in heaven saying, I just don't know how we're going to make it this week. Uh, the budget has a shortfall. Does anybody think that that's happening up there? So then why do we get so upset when someone is prosperous, when someone challenges us to be prosperous, and when somebody has some authority or some, some, some success in our society? Many of you just answered your question because you know why? Not everybody does what's right with money. And that's the conundrum this morning. God allows some to prosper, and they're going to do the wrong thing. But that should not allow still true throw the baby out with the bathwater. The word still works. The word is still true. And I want you to know right here, no matter what circumstance you go through, no matter what can happen in your life, death, snowfall, drift, job loss, bankruptcy, any of those things, a tree falling on your house, Nothing can stop the Word of God working in your life if you just choose to believe it. So what I hope today, by the time I'm finished, and thank God I actually have a lot of time this morning, so I'm going to take it all, uh, and, and I want us to get beyond the conundrum and let us open our hearts afresh and new to what God is saying this morning. The conundrum is we have money that's just how it works. We have to use money. Money has to flow and ebb, and we have to use it to buy things. So when people get so upset about money, I'm like, well, if it's such an upsetting subject, then, you know, you have to use it to buy things, right? So if money is so horrible and bad, then why do you use it? Let's just use logic today. So money is neutral. Money is neutral. Jesus, Pastor Rob said this, Jesus spoke about money more than anything else. Have you heard these verses before? Render to Caesar what is Caesar's. Uh-oh, I just said to pay your taxes. Where your treasure is, somebody finish it, your heart will follow. Your heart will be also, depending on the translation. 
So if we're skeptical about money, if we're skeptical, skeptical about giving, if we're skeptical about seeing things from God's economy, guess what? We might just might have a heart issue. How about this? Give and it will be given unto you. Did you know that that's a done deal? You know who said that statement? It's in red in your Bible. Who's that? Jesus. Give and it will be given to you. Pressed down, shaken together, will men give unto your bosom? The Bible said it. Jesus said it himself. This isn't even one of the apostles that said that. You know what else they said that's not in the Gospels that Jesus said? He said, it's more blessed to give than what? Receive. So by the end of this talk today, by the end of this sermon, you are going to find out two things. One, you're going to get a greater understanding of what giving does and a greater desire to give, more than you've ever been able to give before. And then at the end, you're going to learn how to receive. Because God doesn't want us just to be giving. He wants us to receive. Amen? People's running jealousy of those who have money is increasing, but let me ask you a question. Is God running out of money? When we go through financial shortfalls, sometimes because it's not even our fault, you know what ends up happening? We tend to take it personally, and we shut down our faith And we sit and say, guess what? I guess it didn't work for me. Or maybe God loves this other person more than he loves me. Or maybe I did something wrong. And that's just the enemy's way of trying to mess with our minds. But if we would just come back to the Bible that says, if you give, you will receive. Guys, we have to get to a point now where we believe the promises that they are guaranteed in our life. Guaranteed. And because we doubt the promises of God, because we don't consider them guaranteed in our life, you know what ends up happening? We shut down what God wants to bring to us. I said that a few minutes ago. But do you see what I'm saying? You remember what I've been saying during offertories the last few months? That we have to be fully persuaded that the promise is for us. So we can't blame God, and we can't blame the preacher, and we can't blame the other people around us. We can't blame those rich people down the road that are hoarding all my money. We can't do that if we're not willing to meet the conditions in order to receive. Can I say that again? We have to meet the conditions in order to receive the promises, because the provision is in the promises of God. So let me tell you this. All right, that was pretty heavy, right? <clears throat> Let me tell you the way I grew up. <clears throat> Excuse me. I am so thankful that my, my dad, Jim Davis, is here today. You guys can give him a hand. It's pretty amazing. When you put out an owl call, I put out a text. It, went out, it literally went all over the nation. Could you pray for me? I want to make sure this comes out correctly. And then I have these people that come out for here. Thank you for coming. Those of you that are watching, family in California, thank you. I love you. Thank you so much for praying for me. The way I grew up, guys, is I grew up in a culture where my parents didn't give me everything. We had to work for our money, even as kids. We had allowances. But they weren't the type that you just gave because we were existing. They were the kind that we had to earn. And my my parents instilled in us the, the ebb and flow of work. If you work, you will be paid. 
The good news is, thank you, Dad, that you never didn't pay me. Um, one time we moved to the Caribbean, and I remember we used to get a dollar a week to do our chores when we were little kids. And then um, when we got to the Caribbean, and Dad's going to shake his head, we got to the Caribbean, Dad still gave us a dollar a week. But what he didn't tell us is that it was EC dollars, which is Eastern Caribbean dollars, and they're only worth about a third of what American dollars. So we had some inflation that happened in, in the family, and, uh, but I, I believe I can declare back, back pay for uh, the inheritance one day, Dad. What do you think? So... So I grew up in an upper middle class family, and right there, some, some of you are like, oh, well, there's no way I can relate to that guy. Guys, I grew up in the culture of, of more than enough. I never had to want for anything in my life. Can I say that? I hope, hopefully that's not offensive. Let me tell you what a culture like that does for you. If you grow up in a situation where you don't have to want for anything in life, you know what ends up happening? You tend to just think that success is going to happen, that you will be provided for. And what I'm thankful to my father and my mother so much, not only did they teach me to work, that I had to earn something in order to be paid, in order to be successful, that I had to put in my effort, but they taught me that I could do anything and that whatever I was called to do, whatever my vision was, that it would be supplied financially. And let me tell you why that's relevant. It's not to brag this morning, but I started out because of my, my parents and the path they laid before me. I went to college, and I just said, well, my dad's a businessman. I guess I'll be a businessman. That's really all it took. Do you see the influence that our parents have on us? Trust me, fathers especially, what you are doing and the way that you act will rub off. So not to embarrass my dad because he's here, but my dad's quite the visionary, guys. There was always a new vision. There was always a place to press. There was always a place to grow. There was always something my dad was doing. There was always a new church to build. There was always a place to start. There was always a business to go overseas with. There was always something to increase, ever prospering, ever increasing. 2008, when the financial crisis, that's the culture I grew up in. And so in 2008, when the financial crisis happened and all these different things happened to our family, and we all lost our jobs. Every person, every single person in my family lost their job. You know what I did? I prayed. And I did not doubt the promise. Angie and I had our biggest giving year in 2008. And because of that, we got a big tax return. And I applied at one place, the place I work now, and they hired me. And I had that tax return come in, and that's what gave me the seed in order to build our business. We started completely over, guys. I went from making uh, well above six figures as an analyst, six-figure salary, to being promised about $25,000 for the first year, and a dream that if you do a good job and you build it, they will come. <laughs> Sorry, I had to say that. <laughs> I was knocking on doors. I was wondering where the next... Uh, Paycheck was coming from, and I'll never forget, about six months into building my business, it was November, and I was walking out of my room, and I grabbed the doorknob where I was, where I was praying, and I heard the Lord say, give this much money to the church. And guys, it was a big gift. And I was like, Lord, I don't have the money. And he re reminded me of my old 401k plan. And so I kind of parked that, <laughs> and then I went, and prayed the next day, 
And when I was leaving again the second time, I grabbed the doorknob on my prayer closet, and again, the Lord put that in my heart. And wouldn't you know it, we had just made a pledge a year, year and a half before that for our building program. So I talked to Angie, and we decided, despite the penalties, despite those different things, we're going to do what God says, and we sowed a seed. And that month, I made $600 for the entire month. Do you remember the verse we started with? If you give, you will receive. So we obeyed God. We met the condition. We can't receive if we don't give. We gave, and three months later, guys, the only office that I work in that I thought I would take over if it came available, the only place that I would have said yes to came available. And my regional leader came in and said, we'd like for you to have that office. Is that not a most amazing thing? That's nothing. That's a miracle, guys. I didn't know that that was going to happen. I didn't even think to, to pray that way. All I did was obey what the Lord said to do. Amen? And I could tell you more of that story, but that'll be for another day. So let's do this. I want you to take out your cell phones. You didn't know that was going to happen today, did you? Take out your cell phones. I want you to pull up Safari or whatever browser you use. We're going to have this. This is interactive this morning. I want you to type in global richlist.com globalrichlist.com and what you'll do is you'll go down and select vac uh, location I said select vacation that's what I was about to say I, I select vacation I, I like vacation for those of you that are watching do the same thing globalrichlist.com is everybody there it says select location USA USA dollar and then I want you to put in either your gross or your net income each year. Gross or net income. And then I want you to say, show my results. Now, nobody call out what they made a year, okay? But in that, I can guarantee that nobody here is above the five percentile. Does that blow you away? So when we get mad at those that are successful and so forth, we're really getting mad at ourselves. Because who are the rich people? I'm going to wait until you say it. Who's the rich people? We are. And can I say that we all are? And look, and I know it's different in different countries. We have inflation rates. We have standards of living, all this stuff. But guess what? Compared to the world, we are the rich people. So I was talking about our story as a family. So now what I'm trying to do is instill that knowledge and that understanding that God will always provide to my children. As a matter of fact, I made him... <laughs> I don't know if it's a mistake or a whoops or whatever, but there's a preacher that, that his granddaughter calls him El Shaddad. And so I said that one time in passing. Uh, Megan was like, Dad, can I get this Build-A-Bear doll, which I don't think is of God, really, because they're like $100 each if you deck them all out. And I said, of course you can, honey, because I'm El Shaddad. And so now every time they want a toy, every time they want something from me, guess what they say? Daddy, can I have this because you're El Shaddad. 
So El Shaddai in, in scripture is the all-sufficient one. So when I say, or my kids say, I'm El Shaddad, they're saying that I'm the all-sufficient daddy. So <laughs> the reason why that's funny but not funny is I want them to grow up knowing that their father will provide all of their needs. And then when they're 18 or when they get married and we pass them off to go into the world, I want them to know that their heavenly father will provide all their needs. Because in Philippians, some, it says, my God shall supply how many? Some? All our needs, according to his riches in Christ Jesus. Is that encouraging? Come on, charismatics, you've heard that verse a lot in your life. But sometimes we lose the effect of it. He shall supply all of our needs, according to whose riches? His riches. So why do we ask for needs? Let me present a question to you. If he promised that he will, guaranteed, supply all of your needs according to his riches, then why do we ask for needs? Could it be that that's just a waste of spiritual energy? I love what another preacher says. If we get what we want, we destroy all of our need. That has hit me this year. Is that logical? Amen? So as we continue here, the key point, number one, is our giving should fuel God's ministry in the earth. Our giving should fuel God's ministry in the earth. So there are four ways of giving in the Bible. Don't be confused, I just gave you eight. <laughs> there are four ways of giving in the Bible. The tithe, the first fruits, the alms, and the seed. Okay, alms, kind of old English there. What are alms? Gifts to the poor. So everybody in here understands gifts to the poor. It's pretty easy, right? If someone's destitute, down and out, and you give money to them, that's a great thing to do. God says to give to the poor. Amen? Amen. We all get that. The one that we get, but we don't like very much, is in our first official scripture today, is Malachi 3, 8 through 12. Now, before you turn off and roll your eyes, I want to read this, but I think you're going to see something in a different light today, if you'll stay with me. We've all heard this many times. If you've been in church more than one year, you've heard this verse, okay? But in Malachi 3, 8 through 12, it says, should people cheat God? And I say, yes, they will cheat God. Another translation says, will a man rob God? And I say, yes, he absolutely will. That's how we are sometimes. It says, yet you have cheated me, but, I, but you ask, what do you mean? When did we ever cheat you? You have cheated me. Bring all you to me. You are under a curse for your whole nation has been cheating me. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be room enough in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. Your crops will be abundant, for I will guard them from insects and disease. Your grapes will not fall from the vine before they are ripe, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for your land will be such a delight, 
says the Lord of heaven's armies. So the motivation of tithing is obedience. Now, can I say this? We are not cursed with a curse. Jesus took the curse. Isn't that great? Isn't that great? Jesus, I am not preaching condemnation this morning, okay? But one thing Angie said in Sunday school today that we've been saying off and on in, in our whole year, our verse for the year as a family is, all the promises are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. How many? All, right? So if all the promises are yes, guess what? They didn't have a New Testament when that was written. So which testament were they talking about? So when we go through here, I want you to think that each of the promises connected with these ways of giving in the Old Testament have a spiritual New Testament application. So here's the thing. Can I say this? You heard it here. You don't have to tithe to be a Christian. Did you hear me watching? You do not have to tithe to be a Christian. That should set some people free. You didn't know you were going to hear that today, did you? But we don't have to tithe. Pastor Bob said this for years. We get to tithe. You know why? Because the promises are so absolutely incredible. Who in their right mind would not want to tithe their money back to God? Think about it. What are the best to be connected? Tithing. Come on, guys. Tithing belongs to the church, God's storehouse. It is a requirement for us to be connected to the blessing. Okay? That's just how it is. If you want the blessing, you have to be connected to it. You have to meet the condition. And the first condition is tithing your money. That's the pattern we have in the Bible. Now, God is not going to zap you if you don't. Jesus said you should do those things. He didn't say you have to. Because later he said he's our high priest and he still receives tithes. That's the good news. So he's saying if you choose that you want the blessings of the tither in the Old Testament, guess what? I will fulfill that blessing. Amen? So the benefits of tithing, God will rebuke the devourer for your sake. How many of you guys hate it when your air conditioner goes out? How many of you guys hate it that you always hit the pothole that busts your tire? How about you? You're always the one that they pass up for a raise. Or you're always the one that everybody wants to get, get to do all of their work for them at work. How about this? You're the one that they always don't give the credit to. See, one of the things here is God will rebuke the devourer for our sake. So when you tithe, you can know that you don't have to rebuke the devourer. God will rebuke the devourer for you. Is that not the most amazing thing? Amen? The next one is he will open up the windows of heaven to pour out such a blessing we can't contain it. Okay, guys, I'm not seeing a lot of that being worked out these days. I know a few people out there, but guys, do you see a lot of that happening? Come on. That they have so much blessing they can't contain it? Now, we could argue that this is probably meaning the whole nation of Israel, but either way, we should be abundant to overflow so that we can bless other people. So the devourer is being rebuked. So our stuff's not going to break down before it needs to. So everything wears out eventually. And then the windows of heaven are above us. But we have to believe these promises for them to happen. So in Proverbs 3, 9 through 10, we have the first fruits. That's the next, the second way of giving in the Bible, the first fruits. 
So Proverbs 3, 9 through 10 says, Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all of your increase. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. The motivation behind doing the first fruits offering, it's different than the tithe, guys, is generosity. It's an expression of love to God. It's only given once on your increase of your income, okay? If you're a farmer or your crops, most of us just have an income. A hundred, let me give you an example. So if you get a raise, let's just make it, you know, round numbers, a hundred dollars a month raise at work, okay? I hope it's more than that, though, when it comes to you. But let's just say it was $100. So the first fruits would be, okay, we have a declared raise. This is something that's going to continue here. I give $100 how many times? One time as a generous Thanksgiving offering to the Lord. This is new to me. I learned this this year. First fruits separate from the tithe. Because it's saying, God, I've been given an increase, and I'm giving the first tranche or the first payment of that increase back to you, believing you for the rest. And some people buck that, like, why would I want to do that? Well, here's the reason. It says in that verse, so your barns will be filled with plenty, and your vats will overflow with new wine. That's the New King James Version. So how does that apply to you? Do you want your house to be filled with plenty or not? Am I just being too clear this morning? I don't know. You guys are looking, just looking at me. Are you serious? Do you understand the heart behind this? Guys, you don't have to do any of it. I'm giving you permission. As an elder in this church, you do not have to do this. So my question is, why wouldn't you want to? So let me tell you something. We just reached a new level in my job. I won't go into all the specifics, but you know what we did? I calculated how much I made on average in the old level, and then I calculated how much we're going to make in the new level. And so on the first paycheck, guess what I did? I took the difference between those things, and Angie and I sewed it into some ministries as a Thanksgiving offering to God. And it hurt a little bit. Angie goes, no, it was so fun. <laughs> Angie's more righteous than me. I was just want, wanting to let you know. So we did that, but it was our way of saying, thank you, God. We have this raise, and it's going to continue. So you got two things there. One, you show that God is your source, that you love him more than that extra money that you just received. And secondarily, you know what you're saying? I believe you will make this continue for me. You see that? That's faith in action. Amen? All right, let's keep going so I can actually finish. I, I believe and receive. The next one, number three, is alms. So giving gifts to the poor. All right? This is the part everybody knows. So have you received a revelation so far yet? Is he who has anybody out there? Amen? So Proverbs 19:17 says, He who has pity on the poor lends to the Lord, and he will pay back what he has given. So what's the exchange on giving to the poor? Dollar for dollar. It's reimbursement. I want you to remember that, okay? I'm going to get to preaching in a minute. I'm teaching you right now. I want you to remember, remember that. When you give to the poor, it's dollar for dollar. I'll say it again. 
wait, this is the Methodist church? No, it's a Pentecostal church, charismatic church, right? So we've heard it the 30, 60, 100 fold. I'm going to start preaching. I need to be careful. I need to finish. But here's the thing. If we only give to the poor, what's the return on doing that? So why do we get mad when we choose to give only to the poor and then we don't see the 30, 60, 100 fold? Because God says in Proverbs, the reimbur- it's reimbursement. Now, he tells us, he commands us to give to the poor. So I'm not saying don't give to the poor. I'm just saying it's reimbursement. Does everybody see that this morning? So the motivation of the alms is compassion. The blessing on the alms giving is reimbursement. Giving to the poor should be done in secret. We won't turn there, but in Matthew, you remember that story? Don't let your left hand, or left hand, (laughs) know what your right hand is doing. You remember that? He's talking about giving to the poor. Have you ever felt guilty for telling somebody that you gave some money to the church or you gave it to another ministry out there? Have you ever felt that way? Like, oh, I can't say that, you know. He's talking about giving to the poor, and let me tell you why that is. If you go around telling everybody that you helped this person right over there, that person right over there, you'd steal their dignity away from them. What if they don't want everybody to know that they can't make it? that they need help. You see, Jesus wants to protect our dignity. We all go through hard times. I just told you one where we went through a hard time, and we had people help us. So we we don't want the left hand to know what the right hand is doing so that we can keep people's dignity. And the other reason is so that we don't become prideful. And you see that as if you become the person that's helping other people all the time, how you could be prideful? Can, do you see that? We are not the source of other people's benefit. God is the source. Amen? Okay. So keep that in mind, the reimbursement thing, okay? Let's, let's go ahead and move on. So what is the fourth way of giving? Has anybody figured it out? Seed, check you out. I love it. You guys are already there with me. So let's talk about the seed. Now, we get into big, big, big uh, theological discussions about the seed in the Bible. I'm going to read a couple scriptures to you, okay? The first, one, the first one is in Galatians 6, 7 through 8. It says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will also reap the flesh But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us all do good to all people, especially those who are of the household of faith. Okay? So the point of being blessed is to do good. So Mark 10, 29 through 30 says, Yes, Jesus replied, And I assure you that everyone who has given up house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or property, underline property, for my sake and for the good news will receive now in return a hundred times as many houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and property, along with persecution. This is an encouraging message. Let me ask you this, have wealthy preachers been persecuted in this culture? Are they all perfect? 
think I'll leave it there. So the motivation with seed giving, this is above the tithe, okay? Above the 10%. Motivation is faith and reward. It's the only way to receive the 30, 60, and 100-fold return. Most people never get to this level of giving because they don't first tithe or they only give to the poor. We must sow into good ground to produce a harvest of blessing. That's the other thing. And we get access to all God has for us and the material blessings of all the followers of Jesus. See, I love this. I love this, guys. It doesn't mean we're all going to be driving Ferraris and having three-story houses out there, okay? That's not what I'm talking about. What it does mean is that when we connect with the divine benefactor, God himself, that if you have a need one day, God, and maybe that person back there and the person over here. Do you see that? Do you see how we're wealthy because we're part of the body of Jesus Christ? Now, as a businessman, don't you think it would be kind of dumb if I did not believe for major increase through my business? I want you to know I'm going to face that judgment seat just like all of you one day, and I'm going to look at Jesus, and you know what? I'm not worried about him saying, depart from me. I'm not worried about that. I'm saved. Jesus loves me. I believe it, Angie. What I don't want to hear Jesus say is you didn't believe for enough. There's no middleman in your business to stop the blessing of God. Why didn't you sow? Why didn't you believe me for more increase? And if that happens, then he'll be like, because all of these souls over here in the nation of this area needed that money. Or your church needed the money for this project, but you wouldn't believe enough for me. And so I won't go too far into this area of the sermon because i got to wrap up soon. But guys, the biggest thing our culture has a problem with today is apathy and settling. I see it all the time, especially people, I'm 40, 40 years old and younger. I make enough money. I make enough money to do what I want to do. When we have a harvest of souls to bring in, and we have ministries that are struggling, that are trying to make, make ends meet, I see it. I, I sit on three ministry boards. I see it. Wondering how on earth, I would love to do this. I had one tell me, Zach, the only thing that's keeping me from the goal and vision that God's given me is the finance in order to complete it. Man, that motivates me. You see what I'm saying? God wants us to be a culture of more than enough and not just settling. So the next key point is, if there is something in you that resents giving, that something is not of God. And the point of all of this is we are blessed to be a blessing of others. We get to take part in the Abrahamic blessing, the blessing of Abraham. When we give in these four ways, guess what happens? We connect with the blessing. 
And if you don't walk away with one thing, all I, all I say is that God wants to bless you so magnanimously to help you complete every dream in your heart, every vision you've ever had. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter if you've messed up. It doesn't matter if you've skinned your nose by falling on your face. God says to, to pick up right now, stand on your feet and believe him for more, to meet the conditions so that he can bless you. Do you understand that he won't break his covenant? He says, my covenant, I will not break. But guys, if we don't meet the conditions, he can't bring the covenant of blessing to us. And you know what that blessing is? It's in Genesis 24, that God blessed Abraham in all things, and another translation says, in every way. Does that leave anything out? Who in here wants to be blessed in all things and in every way that are so? You see, we hear a lot about suffering for Jesus, and you know what? There are many amazing Christians and cultures that are suffering for Jesus, even in our culture in certain ways. But guys, I don't think we need to ask God to beat us. We heard that sermon, just beat me, Jesus, beat me, Jesus. Some people get into this thing like they feel like if they're not suffering, then they're not holy. Hello, folks, if you suffer for Jesus, God will bless you, but don't go out there looking, just trying to get somebody to start beating you because you're a Jesus worshiper, Right? Come on, let's use our brains this morning. So let's go back to this exchange. So the benefit of the tithe is an open heaven, and he'll rebuke the devourer. The benefit of the first fruits is he says, your house will always be filled with plenty. Boy, that's exciting, isn't it? The benefit of giving to the poor is one, it blesses your heavenly father. He will not ever forget one dollar, one cup of water that you've given to a poor person, ever. But he says, I will reimburse you so you can do it again. Right? And then the seed offering is where we tap into the divine supply. And here's a little plug for Sunday school next week. We're going to talk about the divine supply. There is a heavenly storehouse. That's the storehouse that God's talking about in Malachi 3. It is your local church, but it's not your local church. You're giving to God, and he has a divine storehouse for you. So the only way to connect with that storehouse is to sow seed. But let me ask you a question. If all your seed, let's say you tithe, let's be positive this morning. Let's say you tithe, you're a great tither, so you have an open heaven. You have, you have the devourer being rebuked for your sake, that God promises those things, and you're seeing blessing. But all your seed, the 11% and above, you just give to the poor. And then you get mad that you're not receiving 30, 60, 100-fold return. What is the benefit of giving to the poor? Dollar for dollar. Do you see that? Or how about this? Oh, I'm not going to give my tithes to my local church. This church down here, my friend's church, needs the money. Uh Uh-oh. You just converted your tithe to giving to the poor. Someone getting a revelation back there? We all understand poor, and we feel moved. We feel moved of compassion, right, for the poor. That is a great thing, but we can't mess up the order. It's not an either-or thing. It's all. It's an all thing. If you do all four of these things, that's where the 30, 60, 100-fold return comes in. And so you could, some of you here, do tithe your money, but you give 3% to your local body. You give 3% out there to another ministry, and you give three mad that the word doesn't work. Because in that, first of all, you, you are tithing, but you're not giving your tithe to the storehouse. 
And I'll say one more thing about the tithe. God drilled me earlier this year. He said, Zach, the times you've been critical of tithing means that you were actually critical toward the accountability and the leadership people in your life. We like to keep control, guys. I want to give my money where I want to give it. Did you see that? Boy, it's, it's quiet in this Presbyterian church this morning. We can't expect one form of blessing if we don't give the correct way. So I want to challenge everybody here, knowing that you are in the most wealthy, richest, most abundant, most extravagant economy to ever face the earth, ever face the earth. I'm asking for a few things. One, that you'll get a fresh revelation today. Two, if there's a place that you haven't done it right, like me and Angie have messed up, there were times when we didn't give our tithe correctly, or we had a bad attitude with tithing. And I won't get to all my notes today, but guys, if we mess up the order, we can't get mad at God if we don't see the fruits and the benefits and the blessings that he promises us. Some of you are this close. You've been such faithful tithers for so long. If you would just believe God for a little bit more and give a little bit more, that 30, 60, 100-fold blessing will come. Can I end with one more story, and then I'll turn it over to Pastor Rob? This, this year in my business, in July and August, we had a big slowdown. It was still solid, still blessed, but we had a big slowdown from previous years. And it was uncanny, guys. I had three prospects back-to-back -back say, no, I, I want to wait. I need to think about it. I had, a, I had two clients say, I'll get to it later, right? And that's fine. But it just kept happening through end of May, through June, into July. And then I started feeling it in the business. So you know what? Angie and I were listening to one, one of our favorite sermons about giving, and I just got a revelation. I couldn't take any more. I finally had somebody else say, I'm just going to wait, and I'll get back with you, Zach. What usually happens when people say that? It's okay. I called up Angie, and I was kind of incensed. I was like, Angie, I'm done with this. This is not how it's been for the last three years, and it's not going to be this way anymore. So what we're going to do is we're going to sow a seed. Every time there's a delay, every time somebody says no, every time somebody says, let me think about it, we're going to sow a seed. And so each time we gave $25, $50 to sow a seed into a ministry to bust the devil in the teeth and say, I believe that God is my source more than I think that these prospects, these clients, these people are my source. And you know what happened? I just had our biggest month ever will be this month in my business. Yeah, you can give God praise for that. I'm about to walk off. I never preach again. Guys, I want you to know that the Lord is not running out of money. He's not running out of it. He promised that he will supply every need if we'll have faith. Lit up, guaranteed, every need in your, in your life. He keeps the stars lit up, trillions and trillions and trillions of stars. Why are, we, why are we wondering and worried about our light bills? When we connect by doing the four ways of giving, I am 100% confident that the Lord will bring such blessing that you will look back on your life and say, why didn't I believe for more? 
Amen? Amen. Back to you, brother. I'm going to, no, I I just, guys, that's powerful. Let's all stand together as we close. But I'm going to, man, let's just, let's just, let's just bow our heads for just a moment. If this word has touched you today, if you're sitting out there and you're saying, you know what, God is speaking to me. I need to make some changes in your life. And I don't know what that looks like. I don't know what your situation is. But the worship team's going to start playing. I'm going to have Zach to pray over us. If that's you and you would say, God is speaking to me today. I need to make some adjustments in some area. I just want you to lift your hands to the Lord. Come on. There's more. Who would say, God is speaking to me? And I'm going to ask him to pray over us uh, as as we worship together here in just a moment. I meant to start the sermon this way, but I think this is how God wanted me to end it. God's desire is more than enough. This could be the time, the day, when it all changes. God's a practical God, God. You had to give, the money is connected to our hearts. And notice I didn't say who you had to give to, what you needed to give to today, That's that's not it. But I believe, and I'm going to believe, if you'll believe with me, that when we pray right now for those hearts that are changing, that are shifting, that you will see this increase, that you will see your hopes and dreams fulfilled in the world before heaven. I'll probably write a book called Why Wait. So let's lift our hands, and I say this, I pray it this way too. Father, forgive me for the times And you can repeat after me to yourself if you want. Father, forgive me for the times when I have had a bad attitude about giving. I'm saying this right now to you, Lord. I'm not just asking people to repeat me. Forgive me, Lord, when I've had a bad attitude. I've rebelled against authority. I haven't believed you. I've just gone through the motions and gave and didn't see the increase. And then I blamed you, Lord, when it didn't happen. I say, forgive me. God, today, let this be the day when everything changes. Help me, give me the grace to be fully convinced that no matter what, no matter how long it takes, that I will see all these benefits and all these blessings as I meet the conditions to receive them. Lord, I say that to you now. As head of my household, that I don't want to look you in the eyes one day and hear you say you should have believed me for more. So God, I ask you to drop in each spirit that's open now, after their repentance, that you drop in their spirit what you have called them to do, the dreams that have been supplanted, that have been stolen by the enemy, that they would come back to light, that they'd come to memory. Even now, I feel it, I see it, it's coming. And Lord, that we would press toward the mark of the upward call in Christ Jesus, in God, that we would see the benefits, that the harvest might come in, that buildings would be built, that shows would be started, the missionary journeys would go forth, that curriculum would be developed, God, that needs would be met. Lord, you're an amazing God, and we believe in your abundance. So I speak a blessing of increase. 
God, a little bit of the heart of the blessing of increase on my life, Lord, I just release it in the congregation today. And those watching, those listening, thank you. Thank you, Lord, for what you're bringing, what's coming. And I also pray over our church. I'm so glad I can say our. God, that the blessing would come upon our church in such a way that we would be a sentinel in the south, in the mid-south, for your kingdom, that heads would turn, that people would look, that people would come, and that you might be glorified through it all. In Jesus' name, we all said. Pastors, our, our elders, our prayer partners, to come down to the sides. Guys, first and foremost, as was said at the beginning, God so loved the world that he gave. God loved you so much that he gave. And if you have not received that sacrifice yet is your own, you need to do it today. None of this even applies to you. This blessing that he talks about, it doesn't apply to you if you haven't received Jesus, if you haven't repented of your sin, if you haven't turned from it and surrendered your life to him. It's your first step. And so I'm not going to have you guys repeat after me today, but if you're here with every head bowed, y'all just press in for just for about 30 seconds. If you're here and you would say, I've got to get my life right with the Lord, I just just begin to pray to yourself. And saints, y'all just begin to pray. Begin to pray. Uh, just begin to worship the Lord. But if you're here and that's you, just begin to pray and say something. Just, just begin to pray to the Father. Say, Father, I thank you. I, I realize that I'm lost in my sin. I realize I've tried to live this life on my own. But I also recognize that you didn't leave me lost and alone. You sent your son, Jesus, to take my guilt and my shame and my sin. And he paid the price for it. He took my judgment. And now his blood cries out from the mercy seat and declares me free. And so today, Jesus, I surrender my life to you. I declare that I will follow you all the days of my life, and you will be my master and my Lord. And Holy Spirit, I ask you to fill me and empower me to be everything you've called me to be. If you'd like to get more information about resources from Church of the Harvest, please check out our website at midsouthharvest.org. You may also contact us by phone at 662-890-1573 or toll free at 866-383-8277. You